Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two or our Twitter handle, at Out 2 along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Evergreen content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome to Marking Out the Days Raw is 30 presented to you by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined here by the man, the myth, the legend, the big guy above, technically speaking, ge- geographically speaking, like where we're location-wise. Dave, 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 what's going on from kicking out of two? Dave, how you doing? Dave, Dave, Dave is doing well. Dave is doing all right. Dave is ready to go. Um, Dave, um, the man, Dave Rosenbluth, everybody, the man from above, I guess. Yeah, that that doesn't sound good, though. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's, <laughs> it's got a very, it, it's got a very, um, what's the word? Um, what's the phrase? How can I phrase it? It's got a very um, uh, a sex offender connotation to it. Um, oh, oh, sorry. If you will, the man from above. Yeah, that's a little weird. Um, but, <laughs> Sorry you know, about that. He, he, I was just he, trying to. You can't uh, win them all. You can't episode. bat a thousand. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I get it. I understand. No, I was trying to t- intertwine it with this episode, which is going to be covering the episode of Monday Night Raw from February twenty second, nineteen ninety three, as we do here on Marking Out the Days. Raw is thirty. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it's been fun. It has at least getting it, like watching these. Um, because you and I have been watching the in-between stuff as well. Yeah, we've been going back, you know, individually and watching episodes of Raw and Superstars to kind of keep with the flow of things um, and recapping some of the important moments in between these episodes. So our last episode, we covered the inaugural Monday Night Raw episode, January 11th, 1993. And um, in between that time period, um, would you like me to recap what, what's been going on in the state of the WWF at that time? Or do you want to recap how you want to do it? Absolutely. Um, you, you can recap and then I'll kind of chime in if I have any thoughts or extra stuff. I'm recapping uh, the month of February. Uh, month of February. Uh, little tidbits uh, from Superstars and Raw. I'm not going to cover every commercial break. Little tidbits from Superstars and Raw. I'm not going to cover every commercial break like we used to do back in the day. Marking out the days. What the fuck? Why is my computer making noises? Of course it's going to make a noise. Why the fuck wouldn't it? Anyhow, long story short... Um, the February 1st edition of Monday Night Raw, Brutus Beefcake returns. He'll cut a promo about his sail- his parasailing accident. He'll reference Hulk Hogan in the promo as his inspiration. Talks about his mother dying, his father dying of a heart attack because his mother died, his wife leaving him, etc. And then you get a fan out in the audience that yells, Kill yourself! And then he makes an open challenge to anybody in the WWF that wants to face him. In, in his return, they're really hyping up this big return from Beefcake. Um, later on in the episode, towards the end, we'd see Money Incorporate, excuse me, make or accept the challenge of Brutus Beefcake, uh, talking about a little exhibition, kind of making making light of the situation. Jimmy Hart would come out afterwards, and Jimmy Hart would be reluctant for these guys to, to accept the challenge because he feels that their obligation should be... Um, Defending the WWF Tag Team Championship. There's contracts to sign. They have obligations as the Tag Team Champions. These are the challengers that, that you know are, are set to face them, etc., etc. They shouldn't be wasting their time with Beefcake. And so we start to see a rift begin between them. And on that same episode, it's also announced that Andre the Giant has passed away. Um, so, Kobe, give me your thoughts initially on the Beefcake return uh, and everything surrounding that. Um, they put a lot into the beefcake return he had a dramatic promo um even though somebody told him to kill himself in the middle of it but uh uh, it was later you know the next episode sit sit, 
it's him sitting down with Vince McMahon, Beefcake sitting down with Vince McMahon. It's a one-on-one, and Vince McMahon kind of reiterates everything, and uh, so does Beefcake uh, talking about the big man above, God, and the other man in his life, uh, Hulk Hogan. Um, and so they're, they're hyping the return of Hulk Hogan, but it seems like... They're not sure when Hogan will arrive, if we're, if we're looking at it retrospectively, because some of the stuff is voiced over, as you and I have saw in the episodes leading up to this. Yeah. Um, it, well, it sounds like the the, the post-production edit, they, it came later as to when they decided Hogan was going to make the return, because you heard, you know, you had the interview with, with, with Vince in studio with Beefcake, and then they cut back to the, the, the live action or the, the live crowd shot on Superstars, and you kind of hear in a... It sounded very, you know, post-production-like with the tone, the monotone. You know, Hulk Hogan will be returning to WWF Monday Night Raw this weekend, and blah, blah, blah. Or, like, you know, this thank week, God cetera, he said yes. Um, yeah, something to that effect, yeah. So, like, it, it sounded like they just kind of cut that in there um, at the end. I don't know if it was due to maybe Hogan's schedule or... They were still trying to figure things out. I'm not. I'm not quite sure. It's you know, it's semantics at this point. Um, Twenty, you know, thirty years later. Like you said, it was kind of like interesting to see Money Incorporated go after um, Beefcake without you know. There's it's a two on one situation, so um, mm-hmm. with the um, tie in of Jimmy Hart there, which didn't ever make sense to me as a kid. But we didn't know. But Jimmy Hart had a relationship with Hulk Hogan, so um, yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I, well, I, I, it's, yeah. so yeah, um, I'll, I'll get to that. Leading up to that, that I mean, it's all it's all good stuff, um, really good stuff, and um, I I I just don't remember it as a kid being like this big build up to Hulk Hogan's return, but uh, he he does return. Um, in a big way on this episode and gets a great reaction, uh, as yep. we'll see. Uh, on the February 6th Superstars, we see Yokozuna destroy Hacksaw Jim Duggan, breaking his ribs. You get a lot of internal bleeding. Um, drapes the American flag over Duggan after three bonsai drops. They're really building up Yoko as this serious threat to the WWF Championship now that he has won the Royal Rumble and lays claim to a, a championship match at WrestleMania later that year. Um, on the following episode of Superstars, we would start to see the build between Tatanka and Shawn Michaels as Tatanka would defeat Shawn Michaels in a non-title match. Clean right in the middle. One, two, three. Pretty fun match. Um, sets up their rivalry heading into WrestleMania 9. Uh, they hadn't officially made the announcement yet, but um, on that same episode you talked about it earlier, Beefcake with the sit-down interview with Vince, they really milk that. Um, following Monday on Raw, we get a 16-man battle royal with Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, Iron Mike Sharp, Kamala, Kim Chi, Terry Taylor, High Energy, The Berserker, Tatanka, Skinner, Typhoon, El Matador, Damian Demento, Bob Backlund, um... And then the eventual winner would be Giant Gonzalez, who would come in at the end and eliminate... Um, actually, no, he didn't win. He eliminated himself. Excuse me. He, he, he enters, and he throws Tito over the top rope, and then Razor Ramon would sneak back into the ring to claim the victory. Um, and then on this episode, it would be DiBiase and Brutus Beefcake headlining. Uh, we'd see more differences between Jimmy Hart and DiBiase in the match. And then, of course, the post-match angle with the beatdown on Beefcake, the briefcase to the, the surgically repaired face, taking out Beefcake, um, setting up Hogan's return for this episode of Raw. Um, following that, on the February 19th Superstars, um, we would get more uh, more hype for, this, for the, the, the Beefcake angle uh, on the WWF Magazine report. He would announce that Beefcake would be returning to Raw this coming Monday and he wouldn't be coming alone with Hulk Hogan. Um, like I said, that post-production edit uh, that happened after the, the, the magazine report. and then he, But Gene would also announce some matches for WrestleMania 9 that didn't really have much buildup, like the Steiners and the Head Shrinkers. Yeah. Uh, just two teams that were just kind of thrown together. People nowadays, they complain about matches with no buildup being thrown together. Well, this was a regular thing back in the in the... the the, the early 90s for WrestleMania. Even you had a 14 yeah, you know, match cards, card. And, I'm sorry? WrestleMania cards. Definitely. They're, like, they all just had you know that, that random tag team match or thrown together match 
And I, I your story I, would start when the match was thrown together in many many respects. Yeah, I, I find I, I'm I look back at those fondly now. Yeah, I don't see too much wrong with it. There, you know, for instance, the Rockers and the and, and the Heenan family was an opening match at WrestleMania Seven, mm. and there was no build up for that. They just put the two teams together, and it's one of the best opening matches in WrestleMania history. Excitement and action nonstop. Um, we would also see. Um, and the main event of this episode of Superstars, Bam Bam Bigelow and Earthquake would have a big Haas match, as you would say. Um, and then uh, Undertaker would main event this episode against Raven Clark. Not sure if he's a jobber or a leader of the flock. Uh, <laughs> but Macho, Man, Macho Man's on commentary, and he says that Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9 is worth the price of admission alone. Mm. Wow. All right. We know that Savage... Maybe, maybe that's the reason why Vince wanted to keep Randy out of the ring. Because if his mind wasn't right on commentary, I can't imagine what it would be like in the ring. Um, but other developments leading up to this Raw. Doink's still playing tricks on everybody. Um, Mr. Perfect w- is getting ready to face the narcissist. And he would show his dominance as he chops a random kid in his underwear in the men's room. That's not creepy at all. Um, Giant Gonzalez destroying everyone on his path leading to WrestleMania 9. And announced for WrestleMania 9, yeah, crushing that. Doink. Oh yeah! So there you have kids, it. Those bro. are the developments heading into this episode of Monday Night Raw from February twenty second, nineteen ninety three. Yeah, uh, the the giant Gonzalez stuff. He he's crushing three people at one time. What'd you think of the ominous music? The wah, wah, wah. it had like a Godzilla King Kong kind of thing to it. I mean, it was you know he's a giant, so I get it. They had to you know really play that up but um i definitely was impressed with him as a kid like the size and the feet of the man but uh oh yeah you can't not be yeah um some other tidbits that happened in wcw nwa world uh the day before this episode uh february 22nd on february 21st 1993 oh wow you're dropping a bomb on me i didn't know you were doing that there's super brawl three um so Super Brawl 3 happens, and who is there? Ric Flair. Um, we had just seen the last of Ric Flair. You covered that episode, Ric Flair's last match in WWF. Um, the reception that Ric Flair gets from the NWA and WCW, it was like welcoming back the uh, hometown kid, uh, their champion. And it just uh, it felt right um, for them at the time. Um, and... It was a big success having Ric Flair return, which, uh, you know, just uh, what we saw for WWF. We never got that big match with him and Hogan, but we would eventually get it the following year in WCW. So this is a strange time in uh, in the wrestling world. Hulk Hogan returning to WWF and uh, uh, Ric Flair returning to WCW. Yeah, like two ships passing in the night. I mean, Flair returning at Super Brawl uh, uh, wasn't, you know... I don't think it was anything earth shattering because I thought you, at that time, you know, you, you, as a fan, you would expect, you know, Flair was gone from the WWF. He would go back to NWA, well, it was WCW at the time. Um, but, you know, the, the hero's welcome. Uh, it helped that they were in Asheville, North Carolina. That's Flair country. So uh, they wanted to see Flair. And, and I think, too, that the, the audience at that time was looking for something fresh because the, the, the programming. For, you know, under the Bill Watts regime, wasn't uh, wasn't uh, received very warmly by the by the by the fan base in WCW. Yeah, um, I will say I watched that show recently. That's an underrated show. It's also uh, the WCW to, debut of Davy Boy Smith. Yep, Davy Boy makes his debut on that on that show. Uh, we see a very underrated match between Cactus Jack and Mister Wonderful. Falls count anywhere. Um, a pretty fun hot opener with the Hollywood Blondes, Austin and Pillman against. Um, uh, Bagwell and um, Christ, I forget uh, Eric Watts. Yes, sir. Um, Sting and Vader in the White Castle of Fear leather strap match. I thought that was a lot of fun too. Uh, rock and so Roll Express, the Heavenly, Heavenly Bodies. Bodies and the Rock and Roll Express, a Smoky Mountain uh, tag team title match on WCW pay per view. The Barry it's, it's, Windham it's and an Great Muda match is great too. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I think, I think the Barry Windham and Great Muda match is great too. I think everything kind of it was yeah that. Solid call. Yeah, from from an in ring perspective, everything was everything everything was working. That was also too ironically the last um, event under the Bill Watts regime. Bill Watts had been 
uh, under some scrutiny over some remarks he made, um, some racial remarks mm-hmm. that he had made in a a, a, a wrestling newsletter uh, a couple of years prior that was made public during that time period. And I believe it was not long after that he had resigned from WCW, and that was when they were in search of an executive producer. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't think at that point in time at Super Brawl, Eric Bischoff was named the executive producer. I think they were still in the in the process of trying to find somebody to to to, to steer the ship, if you will. But um, yeah, underrated show. Go check it out. Absolutely. I think Eric Bischoff was still doing interviews at the time, but then they would hire him, and you know, as the uh, executive. All right, you ready to get into this? Let's get into it. February twenty second, nineteen ninety three, episode of Monday Night Raw on Peacock. Um, I know Kobe's going to watch it through nefarious means because um, he's just so cool. Um, <laughs> but um, you can find this on Peacock, season one, episode six. It goes forty seven minutes. Um, Feb- from February twenty second, nineteen ninety three. When I say play, press play. From time to time, I might throw the audio up there. Um, to, to give you guys a perspective of, of what we're watching. Um, and I'll give you a timestamp every now and then. And uh, yeah, that'll be the end of it. So, uh, without further ado, in five, four, three, two, one, press play. As we Rob see Rob Bartlett. Bartlett. In the, in, in the audience as the fans are getting ready for, for Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania returning to the WWF. Um, I watched this episode back recently before we, we did this watch along to kind of get a feel of things so I can have a better perspective as we're watching this. And I was surprised at the strong reaction Hogan got in New York considering how, you know, New York is somewhat of a smart audience. Um, yeah, especially this audience in Raw at the time. It's kind of intertwined with that ECW um, smart mark audience. Yeah, so I, I, I was kind of surprised in that respect. Um, as you see, Vince McMahon with Randy Savage and Rob Bartlett. Um, didn't get the Rob Bartlett thing. I mean, I was a kid, but um, they were trying to capitalize on uh, doing something different, uh, which I respect. But it's actually funny. These original Raw episodes uh, were... Were, um, hey there, pal. The, the original concept for Raw was uh, they were going to film it in a studio. They were going to make a studio at the warehouse in, 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 in Stanford and build a television studio and sell tickets and have like 500 to 1,000 people and do it weekly so they can save on the cost of travel because most of the shows that they ran at that time were in the Northeast region. Right. Uh. So it's kind of... It's kind of interesting to see where they where what the original format was. Tell her, um, uh, tell that raw girl to go back to my locker, to my office, <laughs> please. Thank you. And I'll put it in her hurt locker, her butt locker. Excuse me. Hey, right, pal. Right. Bam Bam Bigelow coming out here. A um, relatively, they're giving him a bigger push as a heel here, right? Yep. Yep, they are. They it last last time he was seen in the WWF, he was a babyface managed by Sir Oliver Humperdinck in 1988, and uh, I believe he went to Japan not long after that. Um, but he was, um, yeah, they were they were they were building him up uh, during this during this era. Uh, he was he was seen as I wouldn't say a major player, but he they made a place for him on the show, and there was importance to to his to his presence on TV. Yeah, and then he's going up here against uh, Scotty Taylor. Yes, know? Scotty Too Hotty. The the who would you know he wasn't Scotty Too Hotty at that time as we're seeing here. Um, Scott Taylor. But, yeah, though, Scott yeah. Taylor was a regular for for television in that in the Northeast area, uh, doing the enhancements, the jobs, if you will. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, him, Jeff Hardy, a lot of people that we'll see that are later later be part of the Attitude Era. Um, Dwayne Gill, Matt Hardy. Um, yeah. Characters yeah, that, like that. that you know, it's, it's funny that you, just, you say that because it's, you know, back you know, back when I was a kid, you didn't really have... You, you, a star wasn't born from an enhancement talent, you know? 
It, re it really wasn't. Um, you were there to do a, a, a job, and you know, your job was to make the superstar look good. Um, and, and that was, you know, guys like Barry Horowitz and Joey Maggs. And, you know, I mean, Barry Horowitz I, I, is probably the most successful enhancement talent, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, maybe even, you know, you could probably say Brooklyn Brawler, but Brooklyn Brawler also did more than just, you know, work as an enhancement talent for the WWF. But Barry Horowitz made a living, you know, helping get people to the next level as, right. as an enhancement talent. Yeah. Um, but you didn't see that back then. Like you didn't see the, the you didn't see the evolution from starting out as an enhancement talent and then working your way up the card. Like Scott Taylor, um, you know, you mentioned the Hardys earlier too. You know, the Hardys were the Hardys were guys that got like bounced around by like all the big guys. Yeah, and even when they got introduced as a tag team again in like nineteen ninety seven, you know, they were getting beat. Yup. Um, yeah, and it's funny too. Like, I wonder if like I, I I don't know this for sure, but I wonder did the company see more in them, and that's why they kept booking them? Like, did they see them as as like a potential, you know? I think so. Superstars? I think Michael P.S. Hayes had a lot to do with that. He he saw potential uh -huh. in them, um, and they were creative as well. They had their own little wrestling promotion. Um, so they, they oh they, yeah, I always love the big head from him. One more to make up for it, um, but yeah, yeah he, uh, he was he was a little he was a little far in that first one. Now he's now he's going for the splash. Er, nope, another headbutt, another headbutt to the shoulder area, and a tea bag cover for the win. I also think um, the quality of work rate uh, increased too. So they saw that the, if the guys worked well, your matches were better on TV rather than these throwaway. Yep. Um, we we got away from enhancement matches essentially, so the guys very had true to, yeah the guys kind of had to work also, longer matches. I, the work rate increased, and also the, the the competition put the put the um oh let's play the audio for this Hulk Hogan sit down interview Do with it, Vince brother. McMahon. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna jack it up on my end. Jack it up, brother. Hulkamaniacs, young and old alike, hoping that you will say what they want you to say that you're gonna return. To the ring in the World Wrestling Federation. It was right here in this very studio approximately a year ago prior to WrestleMania last year that you and I speculated on the future of Hulkamania. That speculation continues just what is in your mind the future of Hulkamania. Well I tell you Mr. McMahon the future of Hulkamania is so exciting I really don't know how to express myself but all I know is sitting back for the last year and watching all my Hulkamaniacs a little and big, continue to train, say their prayers, eat their vitamins, and believe in themselves, makes me realize that those people just aren't my friends, those Hulkamaniacs. Those people that have carried on even without me have turned into my heroes instead of my friends. Because those are the ones that believe, those are the ones that live the positive lifestyle, and those are the ones that continue to set examples for the rest of the world. And the future of Hulkamania is really bright, and I can't wait to get into that. But before I do, I'd like to talk about the past of Hulkamania. You know, when you're at the top of any field, any chosen profession, whether it be business, whether it be entertainment, whether it be sports, or whether it's sports entertainment like Hulk Hogan was at the top of for so many years, there are a lot of curious people that want to dig into your past and find out what you're all about. Well, when they dug into Hulk Hogan's past, they found out, big surprise, Hulk Hogan is a human being. And as they looked into my past, even from Little League, Hulk Hogan is not afraid to admit he's made mistakes. On a personal level, I've made mistakes. On a business level, I don't always make the right decisions. And even on a peer pressure level, as I was growing up to the 60s, 70s, and 80s, I made mistakes too. And my father even said, son, don't do as I do, do as I say. Well, I want to change that around now. Because the future of Hulkamania is so positive. I want all those Hulkamaniacs to know that stuck with me and stuck with me for the last year, even when I wasn't around, that we're going to another level. And then there's always the negative side. We're in the era of the 90s, and notwithstanding the legitimate media, there's a lot of tabloid terrorism going out there. Everybody knows about that. These are the people that dwell on the negatives, dig up any dirt they can, and even if the allegations are false, they report them anyway, and they don't care who they hurt, just as long as they personally gain from it. But thank God, 
The Hulkamaniacs are not all about that. We dwell on the positives, not the negatives. And the Hulkamaniacs know with a positive lifestyle, setting your goals high, and with positive work ethics, you can have anything you want in this life. And also, Vince McMahon, the Hulkamaniacs, the big ones and the little ones, know that the future of America lies in our youth. That's why Hulk Hogan wants to be the leader of the 90s. And now, it's not just do as I say, it's also do as I do, Vince McMahon, because there's a new demandment. There's five of them now for my Hulkamaniacs. And they go just like this. Train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, believe in yourself, and believe in Hulk Hogan. And wait till my Hulkamaniacs hear what I have to say on Monday Night Raw. I can't wait. <laughs> so, <clears throat> let me break that down for you. A here. lot. Basically, what, basically what that interview was, was there was Hulk and Vince's kayfabe way of Hulk acknowledging the the lie that was that was told during his interview on the Arsenio Hall show when Arsenio Hall asked Hulk Hogan. Have you ever taken steroids or do you take steroids? And Hulk, had, Hulk emphatically said no. And it had come out that Hulk, in fact, had taken steroids. And it's quite interesting that they did it in... That whole interview, obviously, was it was Vince all, you know, all day carefully constructing that with Hulk's way of acknowledging publicly that he made a mistake by lying, but without really saying why. And... You notice, too, this is during the period of time when the feds are up Vince's ass. They're going to trial. It was, a, it was a couple of weeks prior that the feds raided the locker room. I think it was in, like, San Jose or somewhere out west. They had a show, and they raided the locker room. And the, or the DEA, the feds, whoever it was, raided the locker room and pretty much put the company on notice that, that – that they were being looked after because Hulk's wearing that fucking bullshit Ico Pro gym T-shirt yep. <laughs> during this during this interview. So there's it's no coincidence that that interview was done to to kind of get the heat off of Hulk's lie, as well as kind of acknowledge you know what's been going on within the outside world of the company. Absolutely. And I think um, it worked perfectly for Vince and Hawk during the whole trial too. you know, Hawk doing this all of a sudden during the steroid trial and everything going on with, um, you know, Hulk Hogan on Arsenio, he turned into the straight, uh, straight talking to you, brother. I'm talking, I'm not doing the gimmick anymore. He never did the, yeah. you know, the, the Hogan over the top like he would before. It's all of a sudden. Humanized. Let me tell you something, brother. Like there was none of that. Yeah, it's, no, it's it was, that was Terry Bollea. It's humanized Hogan so that they, they have some belief in the court when they go to court. Mm-hmm. And it's also yeah. funny how the poster behind him on this uh, interview is him jacked up on a bunch of steroids, obviously. And then in front, we see him with the Ico Pro shirt, noticeably slimmed down, you know, um, so I yeah, he trimmed, yeah, he trimmed up. I think it was, uh, I think it was a lot of a uh, show there for, uh, for trying to portray this, uh, we're healthy now in the WWF. We don't do steroids now, even though Hogan says the future of the Hulkamaniacs is still positive. So they, they could be positive <laughs> with HGH, but yeah, that, that was, that was very, uh, interesting. And, uh, Vince is a genius, man. It was it was during a time period where like you didn't pull back the curtain, you know, no. and I think with the federal government on Vince's ass and the, a trial pending, that Vince took the opportunity to kind of, in his own way, fight back. Yeah, and that's how that's how he combated by using his platform, his television platform, his version of media. Okay, because. If Vince and Hulk were to go out publicly on like a public speaking tour, let's say for like all the talk show circuits, like at that time, Oprah and Phil Donahue and, and Maury, and then even like the morning talk shows, like, you know, the Today Show on NBC and things like, if Vince and Hulk were to do that, they would have been 
hounded with, with accusations and uncomfortable questions from mainstream media. But Vince carefully put that together so that him and Hulk can not get in front of it per se, but they had more control over yeah. what the what narrative they wanted to portray yeah, exactly. to the public. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, uh, if they would have done the interviews, we would have had Vince responding like, first of all, I resent your tone. Um, <laughs> some we would have gotten yeah who knows how care. those interviews we would have gotten the the Vince that we got from the um, Phil Donahue show so uh, that that wasn't yeah. a good look for him as well um, this is no. an interesting yeah, match sure. here I'm sorry go yeah, ahead yeah the six man tag yeah it's it's the Beverly Brothers with Shawn Michaels against the Nasty Boys with Tatanka the Nasty Boys turning face and uh kind of working with Tatanka here, but it's interesting to have Shawn Michaels, who used to be a tag contender, um, as we talked about, moving up the ranks earlier in this episode. Uh, Mm -hmm. He used to go against the Nasty Boys and get beat when they were the Rockers. So now uh, Shawn has stepped up a bit and continuing this push for him and and, uh, Marty. I'm sorry, go ahead. They they were trying to continue that push for him and Marty, and it was a t- it was like that time that we were speaking of. It was either one or the other, Marty. Or yeah, Tony. I mean, this is February twenty second. Marty was gone from the company by then. Yeah. Um, and 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 from from what I gather, um, it, it it appears that they had a rough plan to to do Marty and Sean at this WrestleMania, and. With Marty gone, they pivoted to Tatanka, who was a, a popular up-and-coming mid-card babyface during this era. He was he was getting strong reactions. Um, his work in the ring was good. He was exciting to watch. Um, they were billing this undefeated streak of his for quite some. I mean, he started in uh, spring of '92. He yeah. was a part of WrestleMania eight. Yep. So he he was he was a part of the company for over a year at this point and he was on this undefeated streak that um they i mean they they didn't really put a lot of thought into it but they would from time to time uh mention it and reference it on television when it was necessary it wasn't you know what you would see with like what we saw with goldberg's streak if you will but they had or the wardlow um, they did acknowledge AEW that they dropped yeah. the ball on but I, I don't. I, I, my follow-up question would be: Do you think that they dropped the ball with uh, Tatanka not winning the Intercontinental Championship from Sean? Um, and that kind of it kind, honestly, of, it, kind of it kind of killed him after that, though. I mean, he lost some steam yeah. following that. I will say, um, I wouldn't say killed him because I think he was. Um, he was still relevant. So I, I think, yeah, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say killed him, but it was definitely um, he, he definitely lost some momentum. And there were times when they tried bringing it back. Um, I thought honestly, the the Tatanka heel turn at SummerSlam in nineteen ninety four was done very well. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming as a kid. Completely forgot and about I that. Assumed, that was good. That was a good way to keep him yeah. uh, fresh too, freshen him up. Yeah, and I thought, I thought there were, I thought there were opportunities as a babyface for him to, like, so, so he, so his streak would be broken later this year, okay, against Ludwig Borga, but with a little bit of help from Yokozuna. And I thought, to, you know, in hindsight, looking back on it, I'm surprised that Tatanka wasn't chasing Yoko for the title on like a TV, as like a TV program. Not anything for like pay-per-view, but like, you know, like a Superstars or a Monday Night Raw. Like I, I thought that Tatanka was popular enough that Yoko could get some real heat on him. And you can get more, you get more sympathy behind Tatanka, but... It didn't appear that way. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They they could have done something with him, but like you said, I think uh, I think the the heel turn later was was way was performed way better, um, and he was good as a heel. But they just uh, they stopped focusing on Money Incorporated, um, 
after that. It kind of got stale. Yeah, too, it was it was weird. Like he was, a, and I don't think too that there was really a proper payoff with him and Luker. No, no, there wasn't. I don't think anybody wanted to do I, the job, or they didn't want to kill that new heel that they just created either, or you know, cut his steam again. Um, I, I could have seen Tatanka and Undertaker during that um, corporate time when he was feuding with the uh, the the corporation. See, I it's, see that's where I disagree. I I mean, I could see the match happening, but I don't see anything. I, I don't see anything substantial coming out of it for Tatanka. Okay. Because I, I just feel like Tatanka, that's just me personally. I feel like Tatanka would have just been fed to the wolves. Well, with you, you don't think he would, he would have been a better opponent than King Kong Bundy for WrestleMania Yeah. that year. Yeah. Um, I don't think it would, I don't, I mean, I don't think he would have been posed as a serious threat. Gotcha. Me personally. Gotcha. Um, I think he would have just been fed to the wolves. Yeah. Um, but didn't you say like, before, like, they should have done something with him when he turned heel, like, turned him into, like, the, uh, like, a Native American, like, uh, like a casino owner, like, start dressing like that? No? Is that what I said? I think. I don't know. Maybe I heard that somewhere, though. But I could see him doing Maybe. That, you know, turning into the corporate Native American. Corporate Native American. I mean, well, during that... During that time period, at least in the Northeast, was that 95, 96? Yeah. They had just started breaking ground on those two big casinos that we have here in Connecticut, Mohegan and Foxwoods, <laughs> during that time period. I think 95 was like when they broke ground, or they, they, they had just opened. So Yeah, just have him in like I mean, a, a suit and a bolo tie. That would have been interesting. Yeah. That, 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 that would have been interesting during that era. Yeah. You know, maybe. You know, with, with Ted DiBiase's backing, like yeah. a, you know, they could have done so much with the uh, the financial backing of Ted DiBiase. I mean, they they started to with NWO, and then they just kind of killed it. Uh, well, they they, they killed what the they, idea. What they, but yeah, I, I think um, they, yeah, they killed the idea because they put it, because they put Bischoff even in at the this story. Time, Ted DiBiase is still relevant. So we see Michael's here, hot tagging it. I, I think kick to the face by Knobs. Yeah, I think. Um, sorry about that. I think. Um, I think Ted DiBiase has was a relevant character in the '90s uh, for WWF and WCW. It goes under overlooked a lot. Yeah, certainly. Um, and I think that's also why he was he was um, they they put him in the spot they did with Beefcake because they knew that they can get some heat because DiBiase was such a heat magnet. Yeah. And and the the two on one with him and IRS and it sets up the Hogan return. The, the setup to get there I thought was well done, and we'll talk about that as as this episode goes on as we see Tataka getting that hot tag Woo. with Michaels. Chop, He's chop, house chop. of fire, as they like to say. Chop chop. But chop. dropping the. Dropping the ball for the Intercontinental title, could he have been a good Intercontinental champion? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, his momentum dropped for sure, and I, w- I I wouldn't have been against seeing Tatanka and Michaels, you know, run it back later in the summer. In hindsight, especially given the fact that Mister Perfect and Michaels, to me, they didn't really have that great of it, you know. Great series of matches. They weren't really that exciting. Whereas Tatanka and Michaels, I think, had better chemistry in the ring. That's just me personally. Yeah, I think uh, both Michaels and Perfect are guys that uh, you can sell and pivot off of. And a guy like Tatanka is well matched with either of those guys. But having Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect, kind of like the same, you know, it's kind of like mayonnaise and and Dukes, you know, like like the same type of mayo, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they just uh, they both sold, so it's like who's going to take control of the match and who's going to sell better. So I think at the time it, it wasn't a good matchup for Perfect and Michaels. They could have run it back later, you know, like when Shawn Michaels was champion, like his first run. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I I remember hearing stuff that they that they had toyed with that idea that it was they they were trying to see if it would be something that 
people would get into. For whatever reason, they didn't they didn't move forward with it. Um, also, too, the, you know, to to me, you know, we talk about Mr. Perfect here for a moment. Mr. Perfect was a better heel than he was a babyface. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, like I mean, people he still got the, he still got good reactions as a babyface, but. He was a better heel than a babyface, and I think that also hurt the dynamic between him and Sean in their matches. As we see Tatanka rolling up Michaels to get the win, another yeah. non-title victory for Tatanka mm-hmm. against Shawn Michaels. Yep. This time in a six-man tag team match. Yeah, uh, they weren't really booking Shawn as a strong uh, Intercontinental Champion. He had lost the title briefly to Janetti, and then won it back, and then. Um, each each run was kind of yeah that was later on than this year yeah right yeah May of ninety three I think it was yeah, yeah. but it, it it's like even his his first run with um, the title it, it's just kind of real quick um, or it, he 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 loses rather than um, than it is the strong heel mm-hmm. but I think also too that that when they were hot. It, when they were playing hot potato, you know, some people, there's so many different opinions about, you know, hot potato scenarios with championships in wrestling, but it was a situation where, um, I think they were trying to build Sean's body of work because they saw something in him. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the, the hot potato scenario for the intercontinental championship, um, for a title like that, I think it fit well. Um, and him and Janetti, they had good chemistry and it was at the end of the day, it was there to service Sean. It, yeah. it, it really was, you know, it was to build him and, you know, make him one of the, the cornerstones and a, and, a, and a pillar, I guess you could say, uh, for them at that time as they were in, in the process of transitioning over. Um, yeah, I, I can see that, actually, as we see the uh, the Hulk buddy, the wrestling buddy. Did you ever have that one? I didn't have the Hulk one. I had Warrior and I had Macho King, and then recently I had Ted DiBiase, but I, I sold the Ted DiBiase one. Um, <laughs> I wanted the Hulk one. Sorry, that was too good of an yeah. opportunity. You made some money yeah, off I of wanted, it. I've always wanted the Hulk one, but my wife would. My, my wife thinks that those are kind of creepy. So the, the you know she she only lets me have so many toys, and that's that's one of them. I think she's. Yeah. Like, I had a Booker T plush bear for a long time, and it had, like, the dreadlocks, and he oh did the hand God, with the I sucker. Remember <clears throat> I remember so, those. Oh, there we go. There's a... Speaking of bears, look at the Rosati sister here with the raw sign. Oh, my goodness. Oh. As we see Kona Shaka Brada Crush making his way to the ring. Oh, man. Hawaiian, Hawaiian punch, man. Fucking Fanta. Fanta, 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 Terry Fanta. Terry Taylor. Er, er, er. Terrific Terry, <laughs> Terry Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the rooster uh, uh, did him in, that's for sure. Absolutely. I mean, he was the uh, he was the tailor-made man, then he was the, the man of the 90s, and then he was the rooster as well. And uh, now terrific. He's just terrific now. Oh man, these series. Do you have? Was ter- he was Terrence Taylor. Terrence Taylor. Sorry. Yeah. At one point. Did you have some of those last series of the uh, Hasbro's nineteen ninety three? As a kid, I had some of them. I had, I had Scott Steiner. I think I had that Hogan, um, that Mister Perfect, if I recall. Um, but now I have. That whole uh, the only one I don't have currently out of all those was that Coco Beware. Ooh, um, that 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 one is eluding me right now. Hmm, um, but that's because it. I but that's because I haven't purchased it uh, due to the fact I've been on like a Mattel kick with like the elites. Okay. Uh, so I get I, I I've I've assembled quite the collection, um, much to the dismay of Mrs. Kicking out it too, my wife. <laughs> But I've had to scale back recently due to some uh, financial setbacks, so I've been holding off on the toy game. Although I got some, I got some coming in the mail that I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered a, a, a stunning Steve Austin with Very the nice. with the long hair and the red robe that that's going to look pretty cool in my collection next to Ravishing Rick Rude and uh, uh, a, a, another Razor Ramon um, with the red tights. 
and uh, uh, Mr. America. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to those coming into the mail. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of great figures out there. Um, I had the crush Hasbro it, 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 the that you see in the ring. Yeah, this is uh that series that was released with the Coco Beware, the Giant Gonzalez as well, <clears throat> right? Yep. And the Yoko Giant Gonzalez part of that. Well, it was a different series, but like yeah, it was a part of Hasbro, but just different, you know. Yeah. I just remember the Yokozuna was kind of hard to find as a kid. It was very hard to find. In fact, it was hard to find even like, I mean, now you can find them because the, it seems like the Hasbros have, they're not as popular with toy collectors. They still are. Right. But they're not as popular. But the, it, the green card series of Hasbro is like the holy grail uh, because that was the last of the series and that was produced and, there wasn't that many of them. Right. So the green card series includes Evil Crush when he turned heel. Oh. The one, two, three kid, the smoking guns, Adam Bomb, Ludwig Borga, and Yokozuna. Wow. And those go for big money. Yeah. I would say big money. But well, yeah, big money for for toy collectors. I mean, I've seen the one two the one two three kids probably the most um, sought out. Uh, figure of that line uh, because it's out of the packaging out of the card it goes for I've seen it go for upwards to like a thousand dollars if not more for a Jesus. toy that's out of the packaging and if it's not and if it's in the packaging and the card is mint as they like to say mint on card then it's I've seen it go for a couple thousand dollars wow so yeah like those are those are really Oh, here's uh, here's you know. one Hasbro. Uh, it's wrestling toy tracker. Estimated value eight hundred and ninety four dollars. For which one? The one, two, three kid. Yes, I believe it. Yeah, mint, I believe that's it. That's your mint on card. The loose estimated value is four hundred and forty one dollars. Good on you. I believe it. Good on you, Sean Walton, for becoming a uh, little little uh, fun find or like a. Oh wow, the head crush just killing Terry there. What'd you think of the I thought that was kinda cool. What'd you think of the finish? Yeah, you like that move? I liked it. I thought it was cool. You know, look at like you see the kids in the front row. They were just doing the hand thing, like, you know, like putting the two hands together. Look at sure. you see them there. Yeah. They're, and if they're you, doing the hand like if you sell it enough and if you put it over enough, they got they got behind it. I was definitely behind Crush yeah, they as did. a kid. But I, I wanted the face paint back on. That's why when he turns heel, I was kinda like digging it. I was like, Oh, he's got the face paint back on. Yeah, I thought the heel turn was well done. As we see clips now of the previous week with Jimmy Hart and trying to prevent the the, the team of Money Incorporated from doing further damage to Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Funny story about Beefcake. And I sent you this link, but I thought it would be fun to share. I just heard an interview recently with Hulk Hogan. And Hulk uh, tells a story where him and his wife, Linda took beefcake into or his wife at the time Linda took beefcake into their home after he had the parasailing accident and he was um, they had a nurse and the whole nine like he was being taken care of he was living with Hulk and I guess Hulk's in-laws Linda's family was in town and they were staying at their house because it's not like they don't have any fucking room in that that palatial palace and Hulk says, that one night Beefcake had his girlfriend come over and Linda's grandmother got up in the middle of the night and I think Beefcake was sitting in the room or sitting in the living, in the living room and Beef, uh, Linda's grandmother got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and noticed um, this, uh, this, this, this figure with blonde hair um, head going up and down Beefcake's crotch and she thought that she told she she told Linda that she thought Hulk was giving Beefcake a blowjob in the living room. Yeah, reading that and comes upstairs the next morning. They're like, "What the hell were you doing?" Yeah, and so for so so then years later, when when you know Linda and Hulk were going through their public uh, their 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 public divorce, uh, Linda. Um, 
Linda had told that story as if Hulk really was doing it. And she believed she she had believed it, or she tried to make you know. She said that Hulk and Beefcake had had, had a, a romantic affair um, in their own home. I was giving uh, them the power of the Hulkamaniac, I, the Neckamaniac, <laughs> the Cockamaniac. Let me tell you something, Vince McMahon. It's Blowjobamania, dude. Yeah, you want to go to the audio <laughs> for this? Should we go? To yeah, the you know what? I'm gonna play the audio for this. In three, two, one. Here's the audio. for me. 
I thought it was all over. It rang my bell so loud that my ears are still ringing. But as the shock wore off, and as I lay in the arms of Jimmy Hart with the blood oozing from my nose, I began to realize that nothing on this earth could shatter the titanium steel face. And just like the Hulkster, I want to thank two guys right now, Vince. And first, I want to thank the big man because he's been right behind me all the way through this thing. But I also want to thank Jimmy Hart and Hulkster as I stand here now with the power of Hulkamania running wild through my body. I can't wait to get the IRS and Ted DiBiase one more time and cross my path again. Well, you know something, Brutus? I sure hope that Money Incorporated is sitting in front of their TVs watching this right now, brother, because the first thing that you and I are going to do, brother, is we're going to start seizing their assets one at a time. And I can't think of no better way than to take the man who everybody thought was nothing but yellow from head to toe. As far as me and all my Hulkamaniacs are concerned, he's painted from with red and yellow from head to toe. He's painted from with red and yellow from head to toe. So right now, Hulkamaniacs, I want to... Alright, I'm going to kill the audio for this, just because I think we, we, we get the gist. They're back. Alright, I'm going to kill the audio for this, just because I think we, we, we get the gist. They're back. Alright, I'm going to kill the audio for this, just because I think we, we, we get the gist. They're back. Beefcake Scott Hulk. This, just because I think we, we, we get the gist. They're back. Beefcake Scott Hulkamania running through his body. I guess Linda's grandmother was right all along um, <laughs> when we were when you were talking uh, about the reaction of hogan um that this audience gives him i'm looking at the audience and it looks like a younger crowd than is normally there um do you think it's yeah. kind of like that john cena effect or hogan effect where they knew he was coming so you know that the, the audience reaction is going to be different um accordingly Rather Meaning than, what? Like that there was more the, kids in the crowd? Yeah, rather than the smart marks that are in there. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could be. It could very well be that you know they they were they were hyping this up. Hulk's gonna make his return. You know, kids that that watched Hulk, maybe that were tuned out of WWF at that time. You know, begged their dad. You know, their their, their parents to oh let's go. Hulk's gonna be there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't know. Maybe the you know here's another thing too that that. I think might have been um, might have been a reason behind the reaction was the fact that Hulk was off TV for a, just a, almost a year. True. So you didn't have Hulk shoved down in our throats like they had been for years prior. So maybe it was one of those like absence makes the heart grow fonder, and the audience had appreciated uh, Hulk yeah. a little more. Yeah. Uh, during this during this time period. I mean that 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 that's just a guess on my part. That's I don't true. know, I mean, but Hogan I was Hogan I was Hogan. I was surprised at the reaction because of the the type of audience that used to attend those those early Monday Night Raws. Yeah, Hogan wasn't shoved down their throats, but uh, Beefcake was shoved down Hogan's throat. Yeah, <laughs> or Hogan. Or <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> he talked about when he talked about the uh, interview. Uh, he said, uh, "Beefcake's pretty little nose." And then they're going to start yeah. seizing the assets of Money Incorporated. Yeah. I guess that's what they're calling it yeah. those days. But uh, that's and uh, that's what uh, Hog Hogan's wife ended up doing to him, seizing the assets. Yeah. yeah. I will say this, and I'll, I'll give you a little spoiler alert, because you and I are going to be recording a special episode of Kicking Out at 2. Um, we're going to do over WrestleMania 9. We're, yes, we're, we're, it's it's going to be a part of a new series that I'm calling The Do-Over. We're going to do over WrestleMania 9. And in my story arc, Jimmy Hart is not the fucking manager of Hulk Hogan because I think it was absolutely ridiculous that they turned Jimmy Hart into a babyface and made him side with Hulk Hogan. I did not make any sense. I didn't understand it. I didn't like it. I would even, as at 10 years old, I referred back to when Jimmy Hart 
an earthquake attacked Hogan on the Brother Love show. It was it didn't make any sense at all. Yep. And I hated it. And I was I Jimmy Hart to me looks like a fucking weasel, little pipsqueak that he needs to get you know his his neck run out. Like it was. Yeah, I didn't like it at all. So, spoiler alert, Jimmy Hart is not Hulk Hogan's manager in my version of WrestleMania 9 coming up on Kicking Out of Two in the near future. Nice. I do have Jimmy Hart in my storyline booking. Um, but he He's is, in the story. He's a heel. He's a heel. He's in the story. Oh, he's the heel in yours too? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so all right, we're the spoiler alert. We're not gonna give away too much, but we're gonna do over WrestleMania nine on a future episode of Kick Out advertising. And we're right gonna now. make it watchable. Yeah, Caesar's Palace, the biggest uh, stage for them. They were they were they were kind of tricking people though. It's not Caesar's Palace. It's the parking lot outside of the building. Sorry, folks. Yeah, yeah, but you know what though? I'll I'll, I'll give them this. They 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 really. They really dressed it up. They 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 spent the they spent big money to really dress it up and make it you know make it look presentable on television. I that agree. was the, this is one that of the was biggest... what caught me first. Yeah, like people say this WrestleMania nine sucked, and and you know we could talk about that at a later date. But what 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 caught my eye was the fact that it was the the, the Roman Coliseum theme, the ambiance behind it, and the fact that it was outdoors. The theme, like I the thought that was just so freaking cool. Yeah. I like that a lot, and and, and and I I even I even did an episode about outdoor wrestling events and stadium shows and things like that, and um, you can find that in the archives at Retromania, um, Blue Skies Wrestling as I like to call it. That's what the title of the episode is. You can find that in the archives. But um, the main event is uh, we're, we're we're drawing pretty close to the end of this uh, watch along here. There's about two minutes and some change left on. Uh, this this episode and we got Undertaker making his way down to the ring against Skinner in our main event of this episode of Monday Night Raw. You know, I think um, WrestleMania nine in a lot of ways, like you said, the pageantry, the the way that they did it outside, I think that was kind of like the um, the the template for what all these bigger WrestleManias would become. You know, they have a big theme about where they're at or what what it is about. Um, you know, Hollywood, going Hollywood, or if you're in Florida, and then having these grand sets. Um, WrestleMania 9 was kind of the first of that. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, it's funny, too, because, you, know, uh, you know, Vegas... The Vegas area has a huge stadium now uh, where, the, where the Raiders play. Uh, they held SummerSlam there a couple of years ago. I was actually kind of surprised when the announcement of WrestleMania 40 came that, that it wasn't going to be held in Las Vegas. Uh, I thought for sure that Vegas would get a um, would, would get a WrestleMania, but 40 is going to be held in Philadelphia uh, next year in 2024. I would imagine that they might go out west. Uh, following that, I, I would imagine that Vegas will. If Vegas doesn't get a WrestleMania, maybe like maybe they'll get a big show. Maybe Vegas will be like the home of SummerSlam or something. I don't know. Although SummerSlam is going to be in Detroit this year, um, huh. in 2023, so that that's that's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, I was kind of surprised that Vegas didn't get the nod for for an upcoming WrestleMania. But Look who at knows? This, just knows? going off the air. Wow, that was our episode of Monday Night Raw, folks. In the middle of yeah. a fucking match, I don't. Yeah. I don't recall that. Well, that, at that, all. That, that's that's nothing new. I mean, the, the, that was a thing for a while. You know, Tony Schiavone, the tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week. You know, right. uh, that was that was a thing for them. So I just don't recall. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. That. Yeah, that was fun. Going back and, and reliving some of uh, you know 1993. We're going to continue that journey. Uh, you know, with next month. Uh, episode of marking out the day's raw story we're going to cover an episode from march of 1993 um some pretty good doozies as i'm looking through the the, the schedule here um as we'll see um bret hart defending his wwf championship on an episode of raw uh we'll also see um mr perfect in action against the model rick martell in the march 8th episode um Harvey Whippleman and the Giant Gonzalez reveal a giant surprise against The Undertaker on the March 15th episode. And then the March 22nd episode, we'll see Kamala facing off against Doink the Clown. That's going to be a barn burner for sure. Hmm. Um, so those are those are some of the episodes. One of the episodes. We could be watching one of those very episodes 
of Monday Night Raw from March of 1993. And we'll cover things that have happened in the wrestling world in between. Um, Throw me for a loop there, Cove. I didn't think you were going to cover some WCW stuff. But uh, thanks for the heads up, pal. Sorry, I I thought about it last minute. I was like, oh, shit, what's going on in WCW? Because I had just watched the Super Brawl 2, and then I realized the date. And I was like, oh, shit, that had just happened. And that's kind of like intertwined with what you've been focusing on uh, following the year of 1993 on kicking out at 2. Um, with with Flair, I mean, I'm covering a lot of. I'm I, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a wide variety of things um, when it comes to that. Like it's, I've been kind of going roulette style um, with some of the stuff. 93, 98, um, going going roulette. Got some fun stuff coming up in the down the pike. Um, I'm kicking out it too with you know uh, WrestleMania season upon us. Like I said, we're gonna do over WrestleMania nine. You and I, mm-hmm. um, Dennis and I, recently recorded a fun little watch along. Of um, it was it was it was intended to be a, a fun watch along. Let's just put it that way. But Dennis really shot himself in the foot, and uh, <laughs> Dennis and I, De- Dennis, Dennis watched a, a WrestleMania match that he had no intentions and no desire to watch. So. Be on the lookout for that <laughs> okay. um, and some other great content coming up uh, on kicking out it too. But yeah, this is this was fun. Thanks, Kobe, and uh, I look forward to uh, next month, March, nineteen ninety three. Raw is thirty. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll put something up on the Facebook page, and maybe um, Dave could share on the Twitter um, a poll uh, if you guys want to pick a date or uh, uh, one of the other ones. Or otherwise, we'll just do it for you like we have been doing. Um, so. Yeah, because you guys probably won't vote or anything like that. It's not like you guys follow us on social media or hit the like or subscribe yeah. or any of that shit. You know what I mean? Like, why? Like, why the fuck would you do that? We only do this because you know we want to entertain all of you, yeah. and 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 we don't get shit from you. So you know what? Maybe this is the last episode <laughs> of this month until next month. What do you think about that? Absolutely, I agree. I agree, dude. I think we should punish them. Yes. Right. I, so, so no more episodes for a month, okay? And then when I get done going down to my basement and watching more wrestling with my friend Mark, then I'll be back to record with all of you. <laughs> Thank you all so much. Um, uh, again, like, listen, rate, review, share, subscribe. You can find us on any podcasting platform. Tell your friends about us. Get into our DMs and request stuff, um, and we'll we'll get to it. Absolutely. Um, Dave, where can everybody find you? And we'll sign off. Everybody already knows. I already told them. This is what we got going on. It's kicking out in two. Marking out the days. Retromania. It's the thing. Doing the thing if you got the guts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Great.